Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Giese, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. We'll have some women's college hockey talk. I'll have an interview I recently conducted with new Union Women's Assistant Coach Brianne Wilson-Bennett. I'll also have interviews from Wednesday's ECAC Hockey Women's Media Day. First, let's talk high school football and review last Saturday's UAlbany-Syracuse college football game with Gazette sports writer Adam Schinder. And Adam, welcome back to the podcast. Glad to be back. Uh, let's let's start with the college football game there. UAlbany uh, got uh, beat 62-24, and, but for a time... They had a chance. Yeah, midway through that first quarter, late in the first quarter, down 14-0, uh, UAlbany gets a big 32-yard uh, yard pass play uh, from Jeff Undercuff, later Jackson Parker, eventually sets up a field goal. Very next Syracuse play, pass bounces off the hands of a receiver. Christian Lewis returns it 20 yards for a touchdown. All of a sudden, UAlbany's in this game 14-10 and feeling pretty good about itself after getting hit really tough with, it was from on Syracuse's first two drives of the game. And then immediately, very next play for Syracuse, uh, right out of uh, the kickoff, 73-yard touchdown pass. And from that point, uh, the UAlbany defense really had no response uh, to Syracuse on offense. Syracuse put up 623 yards of total offense. And uh, the UAlbany offense did pretty much nothing until a couple of... uh, of mop-up touchdowns late in the fourth quarter. What do we read into this game? Obviously, it's a, a, a Division One team versus a Division One. They'll lay out just you know simplify it for, for instead of FBS, FCS stuff. But I mean, what does it mean? Does it mean anything for you, you Albany? Uh, ultimately, no. Uh, it means the it put the problems they've had uh, in, through their first two games into more relief. Just. If those problems weren't going to solve themselves in the first two weeks, they probably weren't going to solve themselves against much tougher competition in Syracuse. Syracuse defensive front gave what is still kind of a patchwork uh, rebuilding UAlbany offensive line a lot of problems. And the Albany defense struggled to tackle a few times, struggled to give up big plays. They hadn't really had that problem in the first couple of games, but Syracuse just had speed the likes of which they hadn't seen the first two weeks. Yeah. Uh, you already has this week off. Uh, what do what, and then next week they go to Delaware. Yeah. Uh, is, is is the season on the line at this point? Because Delaware's ranked eighth, I believe. Yeah, they've got two of two of you Albany's next three games are against teams that'll be in or hovering around the top ten. Uh, Delaware this week, uh, Delaware uh, on October 2nd, then William and & Mary, and then the second tough game, their next home game, October 2nd, or th- October 16th, against Villanova. They, the season was legitimately probably on the line uh, against Rhode Island uh, in Week 2, knowing what the first six games of this season looked like. If they want any hopes of really getting out of this, getting something out of this season, they're going to have to pull an upset against one of those two teams, Delaware or Villanova, and come out with a win against William and Mary, get themselves into that second half of the season, which gets a little bit easier uh, at two and four, and then you're looking at the potential of, of getting back to 500. But if things go bad through week four, uh, through game four against Delaware, game five against William and Mary, you're probably looking at an 0 and six start, uh, and it's just going to be a tough season. It was a, it was just a season that just everything seemed to not line up. It was a tough schedule to begin with. 
And the way it starts has just been brutal. What was uh, Greg Gattuso's reaction to the loss? You know, he was... He really was happy with the way the team fought in the second half. You know, this game was 52-10. to 10, Or 62-10 to 10 at one point. Uh, and stuff like... Uh, they had their starting defense in for a lot of the game. And starting safety, Tyler Carswell running down uh, a play... Uh, in, in the open field on the second-to-last play of scrimmage. Really, imp- really impressed him. Obviously disappointed. Disappointed at the way they played on the offensive line. Knows they have a lot of problems to fix. But also went in and basically said, you know, listen, they're an ACC team. We were not supposed to win this game. You know, he didn't like the, what the you know, scoreboard said at the end of the day. But was was very realistic about what that game was. Well, let's uh, shift our focus to high school football, and we have a big game Friday night in Class AA. Uh, Shaker at Shen, uh, two powerhouses ready to go at it. Yeah, two teams that uh, you expect to be in the running for the Class AA championship every year, and both teams have come out their first couple of games of the season and and taking care of business. Shaker uh, really looked impressive against Burn Hills, put up 62 points this past weekend against Schenectady. And then Shenandoah, good win. Uh, again, it's a Class A team opening week against Queensbury. And then was in a tight game against Gilderland this past Friday night and then got three huge plays in the second half. They got an 80-plus yard run uh, from Carter Kukerstein and then two interception returns for touchdowns. And that Shen team usually can make its plays on defense. And if you can score twice... Uh, on the defensive end and a half, you're in a pretty good position. Yeah, Shen's really been a second-half team so far in the two games, but they really can't afford that against Shaker. Yeah, they cannot get behind the eight ball against a Shaker team that will just, uh, with that wing T offense, will uh, if they're up and they have the ball, they will grind you down, and it's really hard to come back against a team like that. Well, let's look at Class A. A couple games you have focused. Let's start with Balsa Spot and Niskayuna. Niskayuna's been playing some good ball. Yeah, Niskayuna uh, opened the season up uh, at Auburn with a loss and has come back two straight uh, pretty good wins uh, for the Silver Warriors. Balsa Spot is a team that kind of needs this uh, as a rebound game coming off of its loss uh, last week to LaSalle. So this is a game that's really going to start seeing how, how playoff position uh, measures up. You know, these two teams are both going to be in position. Uh, you'd expect along with along with Burn Hills for that uh, for that Grosso Division playoff, those Grosso Division playoff spots. And Boston Spa and this unit both had pretty good size. Boston Spa's two and one. Their two wins are both against Class AA teams. They were teams that we expect to be at the bottom of Class AA, but they won impressively both times around. Yeah. And the other uh, Class A game we're looking at, Burn Hills at LaSalle. Burn Hills and LaSalle you know, might be, you know, the two best teams in this classification uh, when all things shake out. You know, Burn Hills rebounded from its loss uh, to Shaker, went out, absolutely wrecked uh, Troy in a, in a rematch of last year's class, uh, the spring Class A championship game. LaSalle started out with a tough loss uh, to CBA, had its Week 2 game, uh, didn't play. Came out, took care of business against Boston Spa last week, and this is a this is a really talented LaSalle team for uh, for former Union coach John Audino, and they look they looked really really good, uh, really uh, putting away that game against Boston Spa last Friday night. It's a team that when they get consistent and when they clean up some of the penalties and turnovers that hurt them, they're a very dangerous team down the stretch. Let's look at Class C. A fond of Biltonville, which is played on Monday, has a game Friday night at Skylerville. So what's what's? I mean, can they? They had an easy win for Monday. Uh, short turnaround. How's that? Yeah. Going what what impresses you for fond of Fultonville uh, uh, this past week was they came off a ten day quarantine uh, that uh, forced them to forfeit their week one game against Cobleskill Richmondville. Didn't get back to practice until Sunday. Had one day of preparation. 
beat Corinth Hadley Luzerne 56 to nothing. So this is a very good Fonda Fultonville team. The Corinth Hadley Luzerne team has really struggled out of the gate. Uh, they also lost 62 to 62 nothing to Mechanicville uh, the week prior. But it's impressive just to come out essentially completely cold and win a game like that. Three-day turnaround is going to be really, really tough uh, for Fonda Fultonville. Schuylerville is a team that essentially has not put a foot wrong since the spring. You know, uh, and these are the two the, the, the two state-ranked teams uh, in the area in Class C. Fonda Fultonville is probably as close to as anyone to Schuylerville during the spring season. Still lost by 23 points, but uh, it's a really interesting early season matchup for these two teams. There's a Class D game Saturday. We're looking at Greenwich at Cambridge-Salem. Yeah, I mean, uh, Class Class D has three, four teams right at the top, and Greenwich and Cambridge-Salem, along with uh, what appears to be a very, very good Warrensburg, North Warren, Bolton team, uh, are two of the teams that are there. Greenwich and Cambridge-Salem had basically been an annual uh, matchup. If these two teams were in Class D over the last decade, they were meeting in a big game at some point during the year. And it'll just be interesting to see which team uh, is able to come through. Cambridge-Salem's looked very good uh, since its Week 1 loss to a Class B Ravina team. And Greenwich uh, had uh, you know had a big lead, let uh, Stillwater back into that game a little bit last week, but Greenwich uh, has looked good again since the spring. Yeah. Let's take a look at the uh, power rankings that appeared in uh, appear, appear every Thursday in the Daily Gazette. Uh, Class AA, Shaker stays on top with Shen number two, CBA three, Gillen four, and Colony five. Yeah, I mean, the top three uh, pretty well have separated themselves right now. Gildalyn and four will be kind of, uh, I think, nipping at everyone's heels. Uh, but Shaker, Shen, CBA, uh, it's going to be a really interesting way to see how that sorts out. Shaker uh, has kind of earned the right to be number one right now. Shen's come out and played very well. CBA has absolutely dominated. Uh, after a struggle in its first half, uh, against LaSalle in its opener. It's outscored its opponents 120 to 6 wow. through three games. Hasn't played the most difficult schedule. It's two Class A teams and a really struggling Bethlehem. But the brothers, if their offense matches the defense that they've shown so far, are really, really scary as they as they move on. Let's take a look at Class A, topped by Burn Hills, followed by Niskuna, LaSalle, Balsam Spot, and Avril Park. Yeah, uh, and this is, again, it's a pretty balanced class. Burn Hills, even with a loss, uh, Every one of those teams has lost a game uh, so far, and that's because a lot of them have been playing up against Class AA schools. Uh, but Burn Hills gets again gets the benefit of the doubt. Played arguably the best Class AA team in Shaker. Went out, took care of business against Troy. Again, a big test for them. And this is a class that, uh, depending on how those top five all do this week, will really start to uh, to shake itself out. That's when there's going to be a lot of mobility between those five, I think. Yeah. Heading over to Class B, uh, topped by Glens Falls with that win over Shalmont uh, uh, last Saturday. That's Ravita's number two, Shalmont three, Hudson Falls four, and Gloversville five. Yeah, this one has very much sorted itself out to where Glens Falls clearly established itself uh, as the power in that class. Uh, Griffin Waddell, their running back, six touchdowns against Shalmont, really one of the better small school players in the section. Ravina and Shalmont is a game, we will see that later in the year, and uh, that's just that one's going to decide uh, that ride for division, you'd have to think. Uh, Hudson Falls uh, got a good 7-0 win. You shut out a team in high school football, you're doing something right. Uh, gutted out a win over Mahonison last week. And Gloversville uh, just looked to be a step behind Ravina last week, 28-6 loss. Yeah. Over in Class C, it's stopped by Schuylerville with Hoosick Falls Tamarack. Mechanicville, Fonda, and Water Leader tied. Yeah, again, Schuylerville uh, has really, really stamped themselves as that number one. Who's it Falls Tamarack stuck with them uh, in their game a couple of weeks ago. 
And then Mechanicville's looked impressive so far. Fauna Fultonville, Waterville. It's just a big mess. Uh, and I think a lot, a big mess behind Schuylerville. That could shake up depending on what Fonda Fultonville does against Skylerville yeah. this weekend. And finally, Class D, uh, Warrensburg, North Warren, Bolton, the three-headed monster, <laughs> tops the uh, Class D, followed by Greenwich, Cambridge, Stillwater, and Chatham. Yeah, it's uh, Warrensburg, North Warren, Bolton has looked absolutely fantastic through its first few games. Hasn't played uh, the top teams in, in, class, in Class D yet, so we'll see them a little more, but they're a team that has a ton of physicality. Greenwich has, as always, one of the best players. Greenwich has one of the best players in, uh, in that class, in their quarterback Jesse Kuzmich. And Cambridge is as good a program as you get. And Stillwater is still, I believe, a pretty young team that can be very interesting to look at as the season moves on. Well, I appreciate it. We'll do this again next week. Thank you very and much. Be next week will be less, uh, less <laughs> day of September. Yeah. That will be a get this up. Uh, so appreciate it, Adam Schindler, Daily Gazette Sports Writer. Up next, I will talk to new Union College women's hockey assistant coach, Brianne Wilson-Bennett. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. There are no words to describe it. The isolation. The boredom. The loneliness. If you're wondering where your teenage son or daughter's spirit went... You're hardly alone. The past year has been devastating, especially for them. But here's the good news. They might just find it again, playing high school sports. Workouts that stimulate, teammates and coaches that care, the sense of belonging so many of us have been missing lately. That's what school sports are all about. The sense of achievement is real, and the camaraderie is hard to beat. Coping with uncertainty is difficult, but school sports can help the teenagers in your family start feeling like themselves again. Encourage them to give it a try. High school sports, it's so much more than a game. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Sign up for the Daily Gazette Sports Newsletter. The newsletter, which comes out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, features updates on the local sports scene from our staff writers and reveals the latest guests for the Parting Shots podcast. The newsletter is free. To sign up, head to dailygazette.com. Hi, this is Matt Callahan, Vice President and General Manager of the Tri-City Valley Cats. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Shaw. Welcome back to the podcast. The women's college hockey season gets underway Thursday for a few teams. Union won't open until Friday, October 1st at RIT. Head coach Josh Skiba hired two new assistant coaches. One of them is familiar to Skiba. Brianne Wilson-Bennett played at Colgate when Skiba was an assistant coach there. Now they are reunited at Union. I recently spoke to Wilson-Bennett about joining Skiba at Union. Well, first of all, I know um, from... Doing some research on you, you played for Josh your first two years at, at Colgate, and now to be reunited with him as an assistant coach with him at Union. What was that like? What's this? Yeah, I mean it's it, it's come full circle. I mean, uh, I loved him as a coach, and I actually I was applying for uh, another position, a graduate assistantship, and um, wanted to use Josh as a reference just because he knows my my hockey ability and a bit about my background so I reached out and he said of course no problem you can be a, a you can use me as a reference um and then we just got to to chat him this was a long time ago um before COVID and um he mentioned he was looking for an assistant and 
we kind of stayed in touch and um yeah we we uh went through the interview process i i knew i wanted to be coaching at the highest level possible um in women's hockey and so i turned down that that grad assistantship and kind of went all in on this opportunity and um yeah I, i'm super excited to to be working with him on on this side of the bench now and uh i just i know his vast knowledge of the game is something that will um help further my career i know i can learn so so much from him um so i'm super excited about it yeah what was he like what was it like playing for him as a, when he was an assistant at colgate yeah josh was uh really uh offensive minded coach and and i really liked that as a forward um he was in charge of the power play and um we we connected on that that offensive side of our game a lot um and now i mean i'll be kind of uh leaving the charge on our, our power play now so um yeah it's just that that offense um piece was was big for me i think he he was an amazing player himself and he just had had so much to offer me as a player in terms in terms of skill and and um development developing as a player and and just a, a student of the game as well he had he had so much to to pass on to me and i'm i'm excited to further explore that and, and kind of pick his brain as i go here yeah when you arrived at Cole, i think Cole was just starting to make that turn toward Respectability, which you know, culminated with you guys getting to the Frozen Four Championship game your your senior year. I mean, Union's been struggling for all these many, almost twenty years now at the, at the Division One level, trying to. Uh, they haven't never made the playoffs. What do you do you see any comparisons between when you arrived at Colgate and now here at Union? One hundred percent. I mean, my freshman year at Colgate, I think we won all of six games, um, and. I knew going into it that that the class I had with me that I was going into to school with, we were all bought in on that that same idea of um, building a program program from the ground up. I mean, their their record when I when I committed to the school, I knew I'd be a bit of a big fish in a little pond. And um, Josh recruited me, and and the other two coaches there had this vision in mind. And I mean, their their passion for the game just shone through and that's kind of what convinced me um to go to colgate is their passion and their belief in in what they were doing and what they were building so i mean there was no feeling like that i mean everybody loves their alma mater but i mean just the pride i have for for where we started um and where we ended up at colgate was it's something i'll take with me forever um and just the opportunity to do that again somewhere else um, is is beyond exciting for me, and I think these girls have the heart, and and they have that same belief that I had in Josh six seven years ago. Um, is is what they have in him now, and and hopefully they can see my passion for the game, and we can do it all over again and build this program to what I know it can be. I mean, obviously, with the pandemic and, and you know, losing a year, uh, you know, not having the you know, union playing last year, what, how, how tough is it going to be to get the the, the, the uh, players back on track after uh, having that year off? Yeah, I mean, it was 
uh, of course, the pandemic's hard for all of us, but especially as an athlete, you're so keen on competition. And um, But I think it, it can do a world of good um, for this group. I think their eagerness and their excitement is, is going to take us a long way in this preseason and, and our first couple of games. I We have a young team, and they're eager to learn, and they're eager to, to get back on the ice. They're chomping at the bit. And, um, I mean... They're, they all are coming back in shape. I, I trust that they've done what they have to do on their own. Um, and, yeah, like I said, we're, we're, we're doing all the right things, and, and it's just a matter of time before we, we all get together and start pulling in the same direction that we'll start to see the good things happen. And, um, yeah, I think we have the right group of girls in place now to get the job done and start to start to see some more wins come in Union's way. I mean, are playoffs a possibility for this team finally? Pardon me? Are playoffs uh, a possibility for this team finally? Yeah, I, I think we we have the staff in place. We have the, the players in place. And we all are – we know it's going to be a tough year. And um, it, every game in this league is, is up for grabs. And I, I think our girls have what it takes. This coaching staff is willing to – to put in the work, and, and so are the girls, and I, I think it's going to be a fantastic season. Yeah, uh, you, you played briefly in the pros? Yes, I played uh, a year in Sweden mm-hmm. um, in the SDHL, and then this past year um, I played in the NWHL for the Toronto Six. And now it's, they change names, I see. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> Premier or something, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Premier <laughs> Hockey, I think. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah. I don't know the reason behind that, but interesting. What, what was it like playing in the uh, NWHL? Um, well, I kind of had a, a strange season with, with COVID, um, and I was trying to do the bubble season. Um, and obviously, being the only Canadian-based team, we had a lot of uh, practice restrictions and workout restrictions. We could only have a couple people on the ice at a time. And um, there was obviously no weekly travel to games no weekly games it was kind of tournament style which which i enjoyed i mean it was uh short-term competition which i liked you had to to perform and show up every day there was no um breaks there was nothing of the sort so um i mean i enjoyed it i, I had a great experience my teammates were unbelievable and the coaching staff um did a wonderful job as, as an expansion team. Um, I think we competed, and I think we could have won it all if it had remained in Lake Placid. I think we were we were on a roll there for a while, um, our last couple games, and then of course we got we got shut down because of the COVID outbreak. But uh, yeah, uh, we hit a few bumps in the road in Boston there when when we went back to finish the tournament and didn't go our way. We kind of got pumped in, in the semi-final game but um yeah it's an experience under the belt and um I got to extend my career in another another season so it's something I can't complain about and um yeah it was it was a good experience and I'm excited to, to watch the league grow I think it's got a lot of potential um and I think women's hockey as a whole is is moving in the right direction so hopefully can be a sustainable league for young girls and young women in the future, but we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. What was it like to get to the 
national championship game uh, your senior year. I mean, you, you beat Wisconsin, you score the game-winning goal in overtime, and you lose a heartbreaker to Clarkson. I think it was double overtime. Yeah, I mean, that Wisconsin game is, is a game I'll never forget. I mean, that was, to me, that was our championship game. Like, we we overperformed. We we did everything. We kind of weathered the storm at times because they were such a, a, a good team, and um, yeah, it's, I had the game of my life there. I, I think I hit a bunch of milestones in that game. I got my first hat trick. I got the overtime winner. I, I hit a hundred points all in one game. So, so for me, that's probably my most memorable hockey game I'll, I'll ever play. Um, and then of course in, in the finals, um, we fell short of our goal a, a little bit, but I mean, at the end of the day, it, it it was the experience and the people that, that made my career. So, of course, that game haunts me a little bit. It would have been nice to walk away with a, a ring on my finger and, and a, a gold medal instead of a silver one. But, um, I mean, my, my time there was unbelievable, and I, I have no regrets. I have have nothing but good things to say about my, my time there. And hopefully, again, in my coaching career, I'll be able to, to redeem myself and get that ring. So Up next, I'll have some interviews from Wednesday's ECAC Hockey Women's Media Day. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. The pro football season is here, and it's time to play the Daily Gazette You Pick'em Football Contest. Predict the winners of the weekly games via your You Pick'em online account. The fan with the most correct points each week gets his or her name in the Daily Gazette on Thursday and wins a $100 ShopRite grocery card. The fan with the most overall points after 23 weeks wins a $1,000 travel voucher and could win a trip to Hawaii. For official rules, go to dailygazette.com slash football. The You Pick'em Football Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, this is Harborside Hal Wafer. I'm the manager of the River Sportsbook at Rivers Casino and Resort. Now, it's always a winning bet to listen to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Nice to have you back on the podcast. On Wednesday, ECAC Hockey conducted a media day for its women's teams. It's back to a full 12-team league after eight of the teams sat out last year because of the coronavirus pandemic. First up is union head coach Josh Skiba. The Dutch women were picked to finish 10th in the coaches' poll. They are looking to make the playoffs for the first time in their Division I history. Uh, so many different things. I think we're, we're, number one, we're excited just to compete, to play games. But I think for everybody, we're just excited to be around each other, to feel those game days, to feel what it's like to practice every week, um, just to feel being around each other and, and really growing as a team throughout the course of a season, honestly. So um, I know the preseason's actually set up well for us this year, where we've had three weeks before we play a game on October 1st. So um, it's actually been really nice. Just the girls are, are you know coming together, I think, having time to develop and practice and learn and uh, having 15, you know, essentially 15 players that haven't played a college game and three goalies that have never played a college game yet I mean it just it's perfect timing for us to be able to come together and uh, get ready to compete but I know the girls are, are ready to, to play some games okay. Josh uh, 
I know coaches always say they don't really pay attention to the preseason polls and all that, but uh, just for the second time in the program's history, the program is picked to finish 10th. You guys are coming off the best finish ever uh, back in 2019-20 with the ninth place finish. What is it going to what is it going to take for that next step to, to finally uh, get a, a playoff berth for the first time? Yeah, I think for us, I mean, it's been an evolution over the course of time for us over the last, uh, you know, probably four four seasons that we've been here so far. I think you've seen probably when we started, we uh, started to compete a little bit, then we started to trend into games where we're in close one-goal games. And I think now we're at a point where if we can continue to build our mindset and be that competitive team that we want to be and, and really have that belief that we can compete against some of the top teams in our league, we're going to take that next step. And I think that's been something that we've been trying to teach our group is teaching them how to win, how to manage the game in certain situations, and, and how to manufacture uh, wins in every situation, right? So um, the only way we're going to learn how to win on Friday and Saturday is if we teach them how to do that every day, right? So. Um, we're trying to be competitive, and, and you know, I think for us, it's more about a mindset. I think we have the talent. I think we have a group that that wants it. I think we're more competitive and, and more deep than we've ever been. So, um, I think it's really just a mindset uh, approach that we're trying to take every day with our group. Up next is RPI head coach Brian Vines. The Engineers went 0-33 and one in 2019-20. Their last win came on March 2nd, 2019, against Cornell. In Game 2 of the ECACH Tournament Quarterfinals, RPI opens its season Friday at Mercyhurst. Just a warning, there will be some dead air for a few seconds during the interview. Hey Brian, how you doing? Hey, good, thanks. Uh, obviously, the last time you guys played, it was a difficult 2019-20 season. You did not win a game that year. Uh, what is the mindset going into this year? You had the uh, exhibition game Sunday against Syracuse, so... What's what? What is the mindset? You know, trying to you know, overcome what happened a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, I, th- I think it's the same as, as any year can. It's it, it's get better every day. You know, it's a cliche, but but it's true. And we're a young team. Come back, we have. Uh, we're breaking up there. Now, let's just wait and see if the video catches up. But in practice, uh, doing the things we need to do in the weight room, uh, taking care of ourselves, and uh, and then we've got something to prove. You know, I, I know our players in our locker room weren't happy with that that season, our returners, and uh, they've been hard at work. Uh, so we can go out there and improve. Uh, we have a lot to prove this year. The four teams that played last year were Clarkson, Colgate, Cornell, and Quinnipiac. I asked Quinnipiac head coach Cass Turner and St. Lawrence coach Chris Wells about what it was like playing the same opponents last season. We start with Turner, followed by Wells. Cass, excuse me, how difficult was it last year for you guys to play the same teams over and over again? Difficult. (laughs) It was difficult, to be really honest. I think in the moment... um we were really grateful to even just be playing, you know, and and uh, I think that is where our head was at. But, you know, we look now and you look back and it, I'm really still grateful we got the chance to play. But there was so much that was missing, you know, uh, being our team was kind of, we say, in silos. Like we weren't connected with one another because of just needing to, to make sure that, you know, we weren't spreading COVID if we got it and all of those things. So, um 
that and then moving into playing the same teams over and over you know it it was fun because they were strong teams and there was were good games but i think to have some diversity and, and to really truly feel like we're diving into a 12-team league in the ecac and some strong opponents out of conference it's going to be a lot of fun and a much different feel on this season hey wellsy uh what was it like last year just playing the same teams over and over? I mean, did it get boring at one point? Never. You know, just to be able to play was, you know, fun and to be able to take our minds off everything that was going around. And, um, you know, I think uh, it, playing Colgate and Clarkson and Quinnipiac uh, week in and week out it was a, uh, a, a tough schedule. We talk about how deep our league is and, you know, certainly you know, those four teams competed hard, and we all—you look at the scores; all the scores were close. And I think anybody could have moved on and done a good job. Finally, the league's coaches voted to do away with the shootout as a method to decide a winner. It was used last season. Now, if there isn't a winner following the three-on-three -three overtime, it will be a tie game. These games are three-point affairs, so each team will get one and a half points for the tie. Regulation winners get three points. An overtime winner receives two points, and the overtime loser gets a point. Skiba discussed the coach's decision. Josh, uh, last year you guys, uh, with being off, did not get a chance to experience the uh, the shootout. Uh, but it seems like the coaches did not want it back this year. So, are, are you uh, happy that you won't have to deal with the shootout? Yeah, I think I think you know we. I think just we want to play overtime. We care about, you know, those, I think, opportunities to get ties, I think, are big, you know, important points for the league. Anytime you can create a point situation in games and league, I mean, I think that's really, really important. So, yeah, we were in favor of no shootouts. Um, you know, we want to let hockey decide the, the outcome of games and, and allow those to be the, the way that we get points. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winners in the Daily Gazette You Pick 'em and Auto Racing Contest in just a moment. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. The NASCAR season is here, and it's time to play in the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest. Go to dailygazette.com to sign up and play. Predict the order of finish of each race via your auto racing account. The fan with the most correct points for the race will win a $50 grocery card and have their name mentioned on the Parting Shots podcast and printed in Friday's Daily Gazette. The fan with the most overall points at the end of the season wins the $250 grocery card. You can also win a $75 Visa gift card provided by Second Street if you're the weekly national winner. If you are the overall national winner, you will win a trip for two to the 2022 Daytona 500. So go to dailygazette.com, sign up, and play today. The Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, this is Byron Hunter, the world champion New York Giants. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 2 winner in the Daily Gazette U Pick'em Football Contest is Michael Cohn of Troy. Michael wins a $100 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Michael. The VIP winner is Tom Cotuno of BL's Tavern. The Week 28 winner in the Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest is Julie Stanford of Schenectady. 
Julie wins a $50 grocery gift card. Congratulations, Julie. The VIP winners were Legendary Gazette sports writer Jim Schiltz, Nick Platel of Grand Premier Tires, and Dwayne Leach of All Seasons Equipment. I'll be announcing the weekly winners of each contest. The You Pick'em winner's name will appear in Thursday's Daily Gazette, while the Auto Racing Contest winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. If you would like to play in either contest, go to dailygazette.com and click on the link for contests and promotions. The NFL season kicked off two weeks ago, and that means you can see my picks and where you can watch the games. Go to dailygazette.com slash category slash sports to see my picks and the TV listings. I had a good week, too, going 11-5. That makes me 18-16 and 16 for the season. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates and news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you are doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I would like to thank Adam Schinder, Brianne Wilson-Bennett, Josh Skiba, Brian Vines, Cass Turner, and Chris Wells for being a part of the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to be at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.